I'll try not to step too far back and then flip in and do another baptism, like kind of off like, whoa. I remember a baptism that we did years ago. This was like a, in the first couple of years that I was here, and we had the microphone kind of set up, and the mic fell off the stand and landed in the water. Now, people are like, oh, my goodness, we just killed the new pastor because they're thinking I'm getting electrocuted. Now, it's just a little battery in there. It's not strong enough to kill you. But I still, to this day, and this is like coming on 10 years, I still regret not going when it happened. Because that just would have been so funny to see all of your faces going, we just killed the new pastor as I'm in the water going like that. I don't even know why that came up. But anyways, uh, we are continuing. Actually, we're not continuing. We are concluding our sermon series of this little book here that we've been going through called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And before I dive into it, just two other little quick things I wanted to just highlight uh, this morning. If you get the weekly email that goes out every Friday, there's something that's being promoted in there called a prayer walk. Now, this isn't a big organized thing. This is not like we're all gathering and doing this kind of collectively. This is an encouragement to you as you're out walking your dog, as you're outside getting fresh air, as you're kind of just walking, raking leaves, whatever you are doing out in your neighborhood, pray. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your community. We firmly believe as a church that prayer changes lives changes our lives as we pray, but also changes the communities that we live in. We have seen prayer do amazing things in communities where there was a lot of violent crime, and we've seen the crime completely go down. As Christians just gather and walk and pray over their communities. So if you haven't read that in the weekly update, I'd encourage you to read that. There's some dates there where we're going to collectively try to do that as a church family, so please do that. And also, I just want to give a quick shout out and a thank you to uh, Trisha Erickson. So if you don't know Trisha, she's like one of the two people who have actually been here for 50 years, <laughs> the whole time of the church. And uh, she has like a back end job. You will never know she does this, but she helps with the finances and counting the money and making sure that that is all done above reproach. So I really, really appreciate her and her service behind the scenes uh, that way. And so just thank you so much, Trisha, for that. Hey, oh yeah, we can clap that. I love, love that we're a church and more and more people just serve and find their gifts and their place to serve because it's just amazing to see. So, like I said, we're concluding this series of Surprise the World. Now, just kind of, again, show of hands, how many of you, you've gone to church for a long time? Okay, just raise those hands up high. Okay, you've gone to church for a long time. Okay, you can put your hand back down. Now, those of you who've gone to church for a long time, how many of you, like, you've read a Christian book before? Like, not the Bible. Okay, another book besides the Bible. You know, like something like Surprise the World, like, like what we're doing. You've read one of these Christian books before. Okay, great. Now, how many of you have read a Christian book like this, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is going to change my life. This is going to, like, change my habits, going to change how I live out my faith. Okay, a bunch of hands going up. Now, here's the confession time. How many of you, it didn't really actually change your life? <laughs> right? There's just something about these things that we read them and we get all pumped and all excited. And we're like, this is it. I have found the magic formula. I have found the perfect system. I have found the perfect author. And it's going to completely radically change how I live out my faith. And then we go back into the real world. And then we put this book away. And then we go buy 
I was going to put it in. It went all the way under, didn't it? <laughs> Stick to your notes, Presso. Stick to your notes. Okay? <laughs> That's hilarious. Can someone go to the office and get me another copy of the book? I'm kidding. We'll get it later on the break. Um, but then we get rid of the book, and pretty much that's pretty much what we do. You forget it even exists, and then you buy another one, hoping that that one is going to make the difference in your Christian faith, right? This is why, as we conclude this series, I want you to hear from God's Word. This isn't about a system. This isn't about a book. This isn't about an author, This is about God's call on your life. That's why we've been very adamant about looking at each spiritual habit that we've been talking about. Talking about blessing people. Talking about eating with people. Talking about listening to the Holy Spirit. Talking about learning Christ. And then talking about being sent people into the mission of God and journaling what God is doing. You need to see that not from a book. But you need to see it that that is how God has called you to live as a follower of Jesus in the world. This needs to become a part of your DNA. It needs to become a part of how God has made you and wired you. And that's why these things are disciplines. They take time. They take a little bit of energy. Some of them take a little bit of effort and sacrifice. But this is what we see in the word of God again and again and again when the people of God sacrifice and give generously to the things that God tells us to do, God always shows up and God always blesses. So the book finishes off, if you're tracking along and reading the book, and you will talk about this in your life groups this week, it talks about accountability and getting into smaller groups, and it, cre- it talks about church system, okay? Another thing that you can do, and I don't want to talk about something that you can do. I want to talk today again about who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want to talk about who you are. If you're joining us today or joining us online and you would say, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus. It's awesome. And I love that you're here. I hope that you will see this picture and go, wow, that's maybe a little bit different than what I thought Christians were supposed to be like. And and I'd like to know more about that. I'd like to even become that one day. And so we're going to be reading and spending time to conclude this series in one of my favorite chapters from the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. So if you want to open up your Bible to Romans chapter 8, you can follow along that way. As I've mentioned last week, in the new year, we are going to spend three to four months in the book of Romans. Because I get, you know, there's a lot of confusion with it. Romans can be a very head-heavy book. There's a lot of deep theology in it. But the whole point of theology is theology, what you believe about God in your mind, what you believe about humanity in your mind should actually have an impact on how you change your life. It should that your theology, your belief of God should change how you live and how you behave in the world around us, right? And so here from Romans chapter 8, I want again to highlight so us to see who we are, this BELLS acronym, The blessing, the eating, the listening, the learning, the scent. 
It's who you are. It's who God wants you to be. And so how does this become a part of our DNA? All right, that's what we'll look at today. And so I'm going to break this up into three parts. I'm not going to read the entirety of Romans chapter 8. If you'd like to read that on your own time, please do so. It's, again, one of my favorite chapters in the entire book of Romans. But I'm going to give you kind of three things that come from the book of Romans to help make these spiritual habits that we've been learning apart a natural part of who we are, a natural part of our DNA, of who we are. And so the first point is this that we're going to read about, is that we're going to make walking by the Spirit and not by the flesh who we are. That is your DNA as a Christian. You are called to walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. So let me read from Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 1 to 8. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed, governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed, governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. When Paul here is writing to the church in Rome, he's making this very, very clear distinctive between those who have given their lives to Christ and those who haven't. And, and I highlighted these words very intentionally, just these little tiny, you know, one, two, three, four, five words here, where it says, nor can they do so. I think for a long time, we as Christians, we've gotten very mad at our family members who are not following God's ways. And, and we've been very disappointed with our friends who don't follow God's ways. Or we've been very hostile and angry at a non-Christian world that is not following God's ways. They can't. Think about that for a moment. They can't. It is not in their DNA to do so. So why are we so mad at them? Why do we stop talking to our children who walk away from God? Why do we stop talking to a family member because of a lifestyle they've chosen? Why do we treat them like this? They can't do it. Because they are living out of the flesh. Those who have turned from their sin and given their hearts to God. Saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. 
That's what Paul is talking about here. It wasn't about keeping the law. The Jewish people had 613 laws. No one could keep them perfectly. It was humanly impossible to do so. But they would use these laws to compare each other to one another. The religious Pharisee would pray, God, thank you for not making me like this tax collector and sinner. Thank you that I tithe. Thank you that I fast. Thank you that I serve you. You should also pray now, Lord, please make me humble. (laughs) He's kind of breaking one of God's laws in that prayer. (laughs) Okay? You can't do it. But praise be to God that he doesn't expect us to. In his love, his grace, and his mercy, Jesus becomes what Paul calls here the sin offering. What the sin offering is, is that sin has to be paid for. And the people of Israel would use a goat or a lamb or a dove or food or or oils And they would bring that to the priest and they would sacrifice that animal. They would burn up that food. They would consume that food in order to temporarily please God. But God is pleased, is pleased, not by all the rules and the commandments and the traditions and the books that you follow. He's pleased because of your faith in Jesus. And because of that faith in Jesus, God sends his spirit to come into your life. And he empowers you to walk by the spirit. And that's a journey for all of us. You know, I'm actually very introverted. I know when people meet me, they, they don't believe me when I tell them this because you see me doing this. Right? This is easy for me. This is just a spiritual gift of mine. This is not a boasting thing. Public speaking, I can do. A hundred, a thousand, ten thousand. Well, maybe ten thousand. I'll freak out a little bit. But I, I can do this. One-on-one, oh, it's hard. It just is. It's just harder. Like, okay, now what do I talk about? Now what do I ask? And like the discipline of eating with people It's like, oh my goodness, can we just like eat and then just run back downstairs and watch TV? Like that would just be so much better for me, (laughs) right? The flesh desperately wants to go do something else. The flesh definitely kind of wants to guard my heart and guard guard my mind and have very, very little conversation around the dinner table. But the spirit might be saying something different. It might be saying... (laughs) stay and talk and share just like blessing people in the economy that we're kind of living in right now it'd be very very easy to hoard it's like we don't know where things are going i'm watching all my bills go up i'm watching i just saw gas this morning 186 i'm like yeah i'm not getting gas today we'll see if we make it to church okay and we'll praise to God that he multiplies the gasoline in the tank. Actually, I'm kidding. My gas is fine. But we're watching this. And everything in the flesh will say, hoard, hoard, hoard. But the spirit might say, no, still bless. Still be generous in a way that's the way God calls you to. 
That's that tension that Paul is talking about. So making this a part of who you are, part of your DNA, is you need to recognize the tension between the flesh and the spirit. So we need to remember. It's almost like you have to make a bold declaration. I walk by the spirit, not by flesh. I walk by the spirit. And not by flesh. The second thing that we can see from Romans chapter 8 when it comes to making these spiritual habits a part of our DNA is that we actually have to set our eyes to the future. We set our eyes to the future. Here in Romans 8, I'm going to read from verses 18 to 23. And it's talking about the suffering that the church is going through in Rome because there's like. Church is not being well thought of there. There's a lot of concern about these people who are eating the bread, or sorry, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of their religious leader. Okay, the Romans are getting, it's like, uh, we have a bunch of cannibals in our city eating the body and the blood of their Messiah. This could be a problem. We might need to shut this down. Right? There's tensions that are starting to come up. So Paul talks about this suffering, and he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Right? Paul is talking here. He's, he's making a reference to the curse that happened way back in the early chapters of Genesis. When Adam and Eve chose to sin, God had... Can you imagine this? this? I find this kind of funny. This, for me, just shows how human nature really is. God had one rule. One. One. We couldn't keep one rule. Think about that. And then the religious people in Jesus' day, they go and they take the one and they make it into 613. If people can't keep one commandment, don't eat the fruit on that tree. (laughs) How are they ever going to keep 613? You as parents might be relating to this right now. Because you got like just one rule for your kids. I remember when we went on a family vacation once, we did a cruise years ago when my kids were still little, and and I've shared, I I don't like the water. I I like this because it's warm and it's not too deep, but I I don't like to swim. I don't like the water. I'm not comfortable around water. I don't like boats. It's just not my thing, right? And so we go on this cruise, and we got my two kids, and I bring them to the edge of the ship, and I go, look look at my eyes. I've got one rule. If I see either of you putting your feet up on this railing and peeking over the edge, I'm going to lock you in the room for seven days. And I put the fear of God into those kids so hard. One rule. Right? This is what Paul's referring to here. 
Because of this one rule of don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, curse came into creation. Sin came into the world. Death came into the world. The world itself became cursed. The world that we live in groans because of sin. And Paul says, if you want to have the DNA of Christ in you, don't be so obsessed on your present sufferings. Have your eyes to the future. Have your eyes to this future glory where there will be no more death and no more pain and no more sorrow and no more pestilence and no more viruses and no more cancer and no more death. There's this future hope that we have that we cannot ever forget. Because when you remember the future hope, it spurs you on in those tough times. It spurs you on when you just feel like things are not going well. Like, yes, I know there is present suffering, but this present suffering is nothing compared to the glory to come. It's short. It's temporary. And there's an eternity ahead of us that we all get to play a part of seeing other people brought into that eternity by blessing them, by eating with them, by listening to the Spirit, by learning Christ, by being sent people. We're a part of that eternity work. Okay? So we walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh, and we declare that. We declare, I set my eyes on the future to not be so obsessed with the present. <laughs> and then finally, we see from Paul's writing here, that we are called to reflect God's love. That we reflect God's love. Here in Romans chapter 8 in verse uh, 31 uh, to 39. This is a lot of people. This is probably some people's here. Your favorite passages in the entire New Testament. Where it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? Or in response to the suffering and what Christ has done for us. And God sending his spirit and all of these things. What do we say in response of this? What we say is, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, being Christ, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who, raised, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, we who are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Said, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Family, that is who you are. 
believe that. (laughs) That there is nothing, nothing that this world can throw at you that will separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that our spiritual enemy can shoot at us that makes us victims or makes us defeated because of God's great love. And you and I are called to reflect that love. You and I, our church, churches across our city, churches across our nation, churches across the world who are lifting up the name of Jesus are reflecting God's love. Jesus once told his followers, um, if, you don't have a, if you're having a hard time understanding who God is, Jesus said, look to me. Because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And the reality is, is by the power of the Holy Spirit in the church of Jesus, where Jesus is the head of the church, and you and I have the Spirit of God in us, you and I are also the image of Christ. So if we are the called to be the image of Christ, and Christ is the image of an invisible God, then who are you? I can wait. You are the image of the invisible God. God's love for the world is reflected in us. It's who you are. It's not a book. It's not a habit. It's not a hobby. It's got to become a part of our DNA. Right? And so this is why we're going to spend more time here. Because there's challenges. We need to figure this out. Well, how how do I fight the flesh? How do I hear the spirit? How do I do these things? Right? That's part of this journey of discipline. This is why we love one another. We encourage one another. We spur one another on. And so the big idea that I want to leave you with as we close today is this. Is that the call to bless others, to eat with people, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to learn Christ, to journal how God is working, comes from our DNA as followers of Jesus. You either have to see this as who God wants you to be, if you want to see this become a natural part of your life. And as Paul declares in this chapter, it's one of why it's one of my favorite chapters, It starts with what Jesus has done. It starts with surrendering, giving our lives to Jesus. It starts with that simple prayer of recognizing that I do have sin. I have been living by this fleshy kind of worldview. I have been living by what Paul calls the flesh. I've got wants and I've got desires and I've got pride and I've got ego and I've got lust and I've got greed and I've got all of these things that I really, really like. And God says... Let those things go because God has something better, that he has peace. I've lived as a guy who pursued uh, money and I needed more and more and more and it was never satisfying. So you let it go. I've lived as a man who struggled with lust and there's just more 
and more and more, and it never lets go. There's no peace. And Jesus says when you give those things to him, you're set free from the power of sin and death in your life. And you do that not by keeping 613 laws and these commandments that just lead to struggle and just lead to more death, but it's, Father, forgive me, a sinner. And if you pray that way this morning, whether here in person or at Greenbelt Online, please let us know that you're doing that for the first time because we would love to get some resources to you and to help you in this journey of following Jesus. And for those of us who have made that confession of faith, whether a week ago or whether 50 years ago, ask God, am I still walking by the flesh? God, today I'm choosing to walk by the Spirit. Father God, have my eyes been so obsessed on the present? Then help me see, God, the future glory that you want to bring into the world and into people's lives. And Father God, am I a reflection of your love? When people see me, do they see Jesus? And if they don't, Father, forgive me and change me more into the image of Christ. Again, it's not about a book. It's not about a program. It's about how God wants to equip his church for his glory and for our great joy. So let's pray together. Lord God, I'm just so grateful for this church family that I love dearly. Thank you for the opportunities to celebrate baptisms today and, and that confession of faith. Thank you for just this space where we can worship you freely. Thank you for the diversity in our family, people coming from different backgrounds and different cultures and different nations and different languages. People, like Paul says this all the time, people that we would never ever probably be friends with <laughs> if we lived by the flesh and lived by the world. But because we live by the Spirit, we are knit together and adopted into your family as children of God. <laughs> all equal under your love. And so, Father God, Help us to walk by the Spirit. Help us to have our eyes on that future glory and our role in bringing people into it. And Father God, help us, each of us, to be a reflection of your love everywhere that we go. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.